Last week I kicked into a message series um, about built, um, built different is the title. And really as believers, we're called to build lives that are different than the world around us. And so we want to look at a few things and I'm going to recap a couple of things, uh, this morning here in just the next few moments. And so if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to jump online. You can either get, uh, on YouTube, you can get on Facebook, you can get anywhere that podcasts are available. You can listen to the message from last week, but just a little bit of recap, uh, in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus tells a story. Um, and really it's contrasting two people, uh, about says that two men built a house, two people built a house and it said that both of them experienced a storm and yet they had very different experiences from those storms. Even though the storm was the same, the experience was very different on both ends. It says that one guy built his house upon the rock and he says that, the storm came, beat against the house, but the house stood strong. And it says the other guy built his house upon the sand. The same storm came, beat against the house, and it says that the house collapsed and great was its fall. And, you know, and sometimes people can take this scripture and they will think, well, the rock is Jesus. Well, but Jesus didn't say that in verse 24. He says it this way in verse 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's really the story of a wise person and a foolish person. You know, and so we talked about this last week and the importance of building a foundation. And whether we realize it or not, we are all building a life. Do you realize that? That you are building a life. The question is, is what are you building? How are you building? And that becomes very important. And, and so, you know, the Bible also t- says this, uh, is that the, that the rain, just like it's raining right now, guess what? Everybody's getting rained on today, right? Doesn't matter if they're just or unjust. There are storms, there are situations, there are circumstances that happen in life. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're exempt from Things happening in our life. Why? Because we live in a cursed world. Things are going to happen. That's just part of the the world that we live in. But But it also, and according to these scriptures, that when those storms come, it doesn't have to destroy our house. It doesn't have to destroy us. And I don't just mean in a physical sense. I mean, at every part of our being is that we can actually stand strong in the face of adversity. And that can be challenging. I mean, nobody likes adversity. Anybody like a lot of challenges? I don't. We, I mean, we like comfort, right? But yet life happens and things come. And so, but, it, but what Jesus says here is that if we listen to his teachings and he follows it. In, in other words, if you listen to what I tell you and then you go and do it, you'll be wise. But if you listen to it and just think that somehow by the listening that it's going to produce something, you're being unwise. There has to be some action. And so last week we talked about faith and and looked at several things about this. And so, uh, you know, we have to be intentional. I I shared with you last week the thought that a great life isn't just found. Like you're not going to wake up one day and magically be who you want to be. Right? I told you last week, you know, because I talked about the difference of, of having belief versus faith. And, and really what the difference is. And I said, hey, you know, and I gave you the example. I said, hey, can you believe yourself into your ideal beach body? No. I believe that I'm tan. I believe that I'm buff. I believe that I'm my wife's macho man. Like those, you know, I believe all day long, but what does, what am I going to do about it? 
got to put some action to what I believe. Or the Bible says, and we'll look at this verse, that I'm just deceiving myself. I'm fooling myself. I'm playing games. I'm not actually taking the word of God seriously and actually applying it to my life. And so we looked at this verse last week as well. And it's John 13, verse 17 in the Amplified Bible. It says, if, so that's a conditional word. It doesn't mean it's automatic. It means there has to be something. that It says, if you know these things, talking about what Jesus has spoken. He says, you are blessed if you put them into practice and faithfully do them. If you listen and if you do, there are blessings that come from obedience. There are literally thousands and thousands of promises throughout the scriptures. But they're all conditional on one thing. Obedience. Doing them. Applying them. Like allowing the word of God to work in us to produce what God wants for us. How many of you know that God wants good things for you? If you question that, go to to the scriptures. Because God is good and he only does that which is good. God doesn't need to bring the storms into our life to teach us something. And anybody who would tell you that doesn't know scripture. Now God can use bad things that happen in our life and he will turn it about for our good. But God doesn't need to bring the bad things. John 10, 10, the thief, the devil, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, I came that you would have life and have it to its fullest potential. That's the desires of the Lord. And and so we have to understand that, and, and rightly, as the Bible talks about, we have to rightly divide or understand the counsel of Scripture so that it can make a difference in our life. James chapter 1, I, I referenced this last week, so this week I'm going I'm to share read it to you. But in two verses here. In James chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Verse 25 says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law, which is the word of God, that sets you free... And if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. When we do, when we act upon the word of God, which requires our faith, right? I mean, ultimately, if we're going to talk about building different, it's living by faith. Well, what is faith? It's more than just a hope and a prayer, it's having a conviction that God's word is true above everything else. And I don't care how I feel. I don't care what situations look like. I don't care about all these variables. I'm going to act in agreement with God's word. See, your faith is what gives you the motivation to act. And and this is important that we understand these things. Now, here's the problem with us. All of us. Is that we have a hearing problem. Let me say it another way. We actually don't have a problem hearing. We have a problem retaining, remembering, right? We're all forgetful. Now, let me give you some statistics about this. There was actually some research done into this. By the way, do you know that your mind filters out 95 to 98% of the information that flows through your brain? Because it, like, I'll give you an example. If you go buy a new car, guess what you start seeing everywhere? 
that car. And you're going to be like, I thought I was the only one. Why does it all of a sudden do you see it? Because your brain says it's meaningful. The day before, it was meaningless. So all of a sudden, your brain starts saying, hey, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. How much information flows through our brain? So, think, so, so this research was actually done by the Air Force. But it's, it's interesting. Is that 50% of what we hear, we forget within one hour. Me and my wife have this conversation often. <laughs> we didn't talk about that. You weren't listening. I was listening. We have a communication breakdown, right? Within one hour, we forget. Like these are the things we actually want to remember. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you have met somebody like, I'm going to remember their name. And five minutes later, you're like, what was their name? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody like five seconds later? (laughs) You know, like, oh, what was your name? You know, yeah. And even when you're really intentional, it can be challenging. 70% of what we hear is gone in 24 hours. This is the stuff that we want to remember. Not like, the, I mean, we're talking about that 3 to 5% of stuff that our mind actually like grabs. Of that 3 to 5%, 50% is gone in 24 hours, 70% or is gone in an hour, 70% is gone in 24 hours, and 90% of what we've heard and learned is gone in 72 hours. That's really encouraging for somebody like myself. Because what that tells me is by Wednesday, you'll have no clue what I've just spent all week preparing for you. Isn't that that just the most amazing thing? Here's what's crazy. By Wednesday, I would have to really think. And I'm the one saying it. How crazy is that? But see, the same thing happens to us when we don't put God's word into action. I said it this way last week, is that action is the linchpin. It's the change element of just hearing God's word versus actually making a difference in our life. So we have to apply God's word to our life. And so you all heard the phrase, the quote, if you don't use it, you will lose it. You've got to use what you hear. You've got to put it into action. This would be my encouragement to you. Take one thing from this morning. One, not two, not three. He who chases two or three rabbits gets how many? None. Pick one thing and say, I'm going to apply that to my life. Just take one. Because one is better than none. And so we want to take God's word. We want to use it. I shared this last week. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 is that faith comes by hearing. One translation says it this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing God's word. It's not I've heard. We have to hear. There's a big difference. One is past tense and one is present tense. See, we can have that, that mindset sometimes and we can all, you know, especially if we come to church, if you've been around church for a little while, like, well, I've heard this before. Yeah, but maybe you need to hear it again. Why? Because we forget. 
We forget to put it into action. We forget to put it into motion into our life. So Jesus tells the story about these two home builders. These two guys in the story. But I want to give you another story about three people, specifically three brothers. You'll recognize the story in the next few moments. Who built a house? They were all together. They all go out and build houses at the same time. Anybody know we're already going? The three brothers go out and they begin to build their house. And two of them are too social to build a proper home. And so they're like, let me just throw some together. So the first one goes and he just goes and finds a bunch of grass and weeds and straw. And he starts making his house. He's like, this will work. It's that roof. It's good. The second brother goes and he goes and finds some sticks. He's like, I need some lumber. It's good, strong. Puts his lumber together, builds his house. He's like, oh yeah, this is sweet. Let's go party. It's time to go have some fun. Don't want to take too much time. And the last brother is probably a little more OCD. A little more methodical about what he's doing. He's like, no, I'm going to build a strong house. I'm going to build it out of bricks. Takes longer. And I'm sure his brothers are like, hey, come on. Let's go do something. Let's go fishing. Let's go hang out. Let's go to the game. Let's do this. And the brother's like, no, I got to build my house. The problem for these brothers is, is that a storm came to all of them too. In the form of a guy called a big bad wolf. In case you didn't know where we were at. Now that we're all on the same page, we can move forward. So we know that the big bad wolf comes to the first brother who built his house out of, out of hay. And he says what? I will huff and I will puff and I will blow your house down. Comes up and knocks on the door. He starts breathing on the house. All of a sudden, it disappears. Brother pig number one takes off running, probably with a, a squeal. You ever heard a pig squeal? You know, they run off. He goes. He runs to brother's house number two. He's like, oh, well, man, I spend less time than him. Surely his, he's got some wood. That house is going to be strong. So he runs in there. And Mr. Wolf's getting more hungry and he smells piglet. He says, man, I... knocks on the door. Let me in. No, I'm not letting you in. You're an enemy. Why would I let you in? You're hungry. You want to eat me. You have a taste for bacon and I'm not volunteering. He says, either you open the door, I will huff and I will puff and I will blow your house down. Right? So that happens. The house comes down. Piglet one, piglet two, they run to the wise brother because they were foolish. They run into his house and Mr. Big Bad Wolf with his big white teeth comes and knocks on the door. Now this brother was smarter, so he had a peephole. Not, you know, he looked through it and was like, oh, it's Mr. Wolf. And the brother's like, oh my gosh, do you know what he did to my house? And they start talking about their experience with Mr. Big Bad Wolf. Oh, we got to get out of here. Let's just run out the back door. But the third brother's like, look, I ain't freaking out. I know how I built my house. I prepared for this moment. Mr. Wolf says, hey, if you don't let me in, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your, your house down. In my mind, third Mr. Piglet was a little bold and said, go ahead, big boy. 
confident because I know what I did when I built the house. And the, the story, it's actually an American classic story, tells us that the wolf began to huff and puff and huff and puff and huff and puff. And he couldn't get in. So he had the idea. He said, hey, you know what? I'm going to get on the rooftop. This is where the story gets interesting. I kind of forgot about this little detail, by the way, when I had to go reread the story. Third Mr. Wolf was kind of smart and kind of spiteful, too. He sets a pot up in the fireplace. Mr. Wolf comes down the chimney like Santa Claus, bloop, lands in the pot, and the brother puts the lid on the head, and they're going to be eating wolf stew later. This is a children's story. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, I forgot about that detail. I don't know. I forgot that part of the story. What was the difference? It's the foundation. It's the structure. It's the building. And we are all building a life. The question is, is what are we building? How are we building? We don't want to be like the little first two little piglets. We don't want to be like the guy who built his house on the sand. We want to be the people who are prepared ahead of time. Here's the good news. God will help you prepare ahead of time. As a matter of fact, one of the names of God says this about him. Is he's the God who sees ahead and makes provision. God will give you the answer before you even have the problem. If we're listening. But yet, sometimes we got some hearing problems. We have some obedience problems sometimes. How many of you have ever had a situation, and it could be anything, where you're like, I knew better than this. Like there was something on the inside. You said, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't buy that. How many of you? And you're like, well, how did you know? God was trying to help you ahead of time. Now, I can tell you lots of stories of where I've made big mistakes. I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. And I knew I shouldn't have done that. But see, here's the truth. Just like these piglets had a, Big bad wolf, you got an enemy too. And he wants nothing more than to bring destruction into your life, to harm you any way possible, to steal whatever you have. And not just physically, he wants to take your peace, he wants to take your joy. He wants to keep you from God's purpose in your life. First Peter chapter 5 actually tells us is that we have an enemy. Some translations actually say that we have a great enemy who's Satan. And it says that he's seeking whom he can devour. The wolf was looking for an easy dinner. And he thought he found it in piglet number one. He thought he had it in piglet number two. And he was sure that he was going to be eating a buffet when he got to number three's house. And then he became the dinner. See, we do have an enemy and we can't be ignorant of that. Statistically, approximately 50 to 60% of professing Christians say they don't even know if the devil is real. Here's the problem with that. The Bible says he is. So how do you square that? 
If you're a Christian, and if you believe what the Bible says about Jesus, then I think you equally have to believe what the Bible says about Satan. Like, we can't cherry pick, and we can't pick and choose the truths that we want to say yes to, and just be like, well, because ignorant is not bliss. And either God's word is true, or it's not. Like, oh my gosh, well that, that all, that, all that devil talk, that kind of freaks me out. If you know the Bible and put it into action, it would not freak you out. Because the Bible gives us the instructions of what we need to do. I almost preached an com- entirely different message today. I may still preach it next week, we'll see. But it's along this line. James chapter 4 verse 7 says this. It says, so humble yourselves before God. Submit yourself under God. It says that when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So many times people will take this scripture and they'll only read the second part. Resist the devil and he will flee. You got to do the first part. Because it's in the first part where you get the authority where the devil realizes you ain't just talking about yourself. I'm submitted to God, therefore God will fight for me. So I have to submit myself to God first. Now, and we were just singing about this, the authority that we've been given. Authority is only as good as my submission level. Think about it in the military. You can have somebody of rank and of authority, but if they go rogue, guess what happens? Their authority is undermined. Why? Because there's no one who's, that will back them up. I'll say it that way. When I come under the authority of God, I now have authority. Jesus said that I've given you all authority in heaven and earth. So that now I can resist the devil. And the Bible says, in one translation says this way, he will run in terror. Some of you are running from the devil and you need to stop running from him and let him start running from you for a change. Like, let's just change the rules for a minute, Mr. Devil. I'm tired of you intimidating me. I'm tired of you lying to me. I'm tired of you feeding fear into my mind and into my thoughts. And so, Devil, you know what? Here's what the Word of God says about my situation. I am somebody in Christ. I'm not inferior. I'm not going to go broke. Why? Because God watches over me and he provides for the fish, uh, the, the water, the birds of the air, the lilies of the valley. Just like he takes care of them, he's going to take care of me. That's how you resist the devil. It's by faith. You got to start saying something. See, the problem actually isn't that we're not saying things. We are saying things. We're just saying some of the wrong things. We need to change what we're saying. Confession matters. There's a little phrase. What you say is coming your way. For the good or the bad, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And it's not good or bad. That's a, it's like money. It's amoral, that statement. That comes from the book of Proverbs. Words matter. Why? Because what you say is what you've already been thinking. And, that, and what you think is what you believe. I've said it many times. The, the most important most powerful voice in your life is your own voice. Why? Because no one talks to you more than you. Your voice is on repeat. 
So we've got to get the word of God in so that we can see a difference. See, here, here, here's a fact about faith. Is that faith actually destroys the work of the enemy in our life and it's pleasing to God. It honors God. Hebrews eleven six. we talked about this last week. It says, without faith, it's impossible. Impossible. Not possible. Not happening. It's impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder or that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Say, well, what does that mean? Is that God will reward you when you prioritize him. And there are several ways that you can prioritize God in your life. We're going to look at them here in a few minutes. But how do I please God? Number one, and this is the truth. How do you please God? There's one way. By trusting him. By trusting him. That's really all that God wants from you. Now, trust is, an, is the same word as faith. You can interchange those two words. So you can say it this way. It's the only thing God wants from you is to believe in him. When Jesus returns, the Bible says he's only going to ask one question. And it's, will I find faith? That's his question. Will I find faith on the earth? That's what the word of God tells us. So I have to put God's word above all else, which means above my feelings. Above my emotions, above my circumstances, my experiences, above what I think and all of my infinite wisdom. I have to put God's word as more important, even when it contradicts what I think is the right thing. And I have learned over the now decades that I've now served the Lord that God's wisdom always proves true. My wisdom, 50-50 shot. And that's being generous. See, faith is believing that God's word is true. This is a a friend of mine. uh, I've heard him say this many times. He says that faith is believing God's word is true no matter what any other information source may reveal. Now, let me give you an example because I want this to be very practical. I don't want it just to be theoretical. Let's say that you get a diagnosis. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-doctors. My confidence is not in the doctor. My confidence is not in the diagnosis. The diagnosis tells me where and how to apply my faith specifically. So I'm not denying symptoms. That's foolishness. But I can apply the word of God to that diagnosis. Now I know where to put my faith. Sometimes we want to get in the mindset of like, oh, well, I don't want to go to the doctor and I don't want to know. And I, then you can't actually apply your faith to what you're ignorant about. That's foolishness. You're presuming that God's going to, some angel's going to show up and wave a magic wand. It's impossible to please God without faith. It requires our faith for God to act. But well, we have to act as well along those same lines. So how do we build a firm foundation? Here's three things real quick. It takes commitment. You got to commit to it. Commit to what? That I'm going to learn God's word. I'm going to stow God's word in my heart. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a commitment. Man, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be in fellowship with people. I'm, I'm going to develop my faith. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to listen to people talk and teach about the word of God. I'm going to spend time in the presence of God. I think we vastly underestimate the value of the presence of God in our life. The presence of God in our home. The presence of God in our car. Like, well, I know the Bible. Yeah, but do you know the God of the Bible? Like you can't, it's not enough to have one without the other. Now you can go the other way too and be like, oh, I'm just in the presence of God. You need the word of God. Why? Because it's like an anchor that's going to keep your feet to the ground so you don't get weird. And then you get these crazy theories about God that don't even line up with, with the word that he has revealed himself through. I mean, I, I try not to be rude, but sometimes people will say things about God and I'm just, that's not true. And they look at me like, why are you judging me? I'm not, I'm judging what you just said. And that ain't true. This is what the word of God says. We don't have to be ugly, but it's, but we need to know the word of God. So we have to commit that we're going to grow a foundation. So beyond that, because how many of you know it's easy to make a commitment? New Year's resolutions. Got my list. I'm going to commit. I'm not a, a gym person, but my friends who are tell me that every January, they hate going to the gym. By, by February, it's better. Because it ain't as crowded anymore. It's easy to make a commitment, which leads into the second part, is that we got to have some consistency as well. We got to make a commitment. So in other words, we got to start some new patterns. We got to start some new habits. We're going to repeat these things over and over and over. And the third one is patience. We love that word. Consistency or commitment, consistency, patience. My mom used to make this phrase all the time that Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm like, what does that even mean? But it wasn't. You're not going to stumble into the life that God has for you, but you can build towards it. You can build towards it. So if we're going to live by faith, there has to come a point that our belief will actually challenge our behavior. Now, we don't like this part. But this makes it very applicable. This, this is like where the word of God becomes real to us and will actually begin to change us. I shared with you last week, and, and I'll say it again, is that information plus application will produce some transformation. Look, God loves you the way you are, but he refuses to let you stay there. Why? Because he loves you too much. It's not because he's upset with you. It's not because of anything negative. It's quite the opposite. I love my children. I love my children. I rejoiced the day that I bought my last pair of diapers. More specifically, because that meant my days of changing diapers was over. Y'all aren't nearly as excited about that as I was. <laughs> Why? Because my children are growing up. I mean, God wants us to grow. Why? Not because he's upset with us. I'm not upset with my kids. I want them to grow. I want them to mature. God wants us to grow and God wants us to mature as well. But we have to apply the word of God. 
So how do we apply the word of God? How do we take the information and really turn it into application? Like, how do we do this? What does this really look like day to day? Now, I'm going to use a word. Just keep your ears open. But nobody likes this word I'm about to use. It's called spiritual discipline. Discipline. What are disciplines? Things that we don't necessarily want to do, but we need to do. What is discipline? It's foregoing what I want now for what I want later. That's what discipline is. And you can apply this in your marriage, your, your relationships, your kids, your finances. You can, you can apply this to all kinds of things. It's called delayed gratification. And we need some spiritual disciplines in our life. Because this is where things actually become really engaged and where we begin to see change happen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 in the message uh, paraphrase says this. It says, at the time, discipline is not much fun. Like, I'll give you an example. 21 days of prayer and fasting. No fun. But I love the result that it produces. And it produces results that I've yet to find any other way to make happen. It's a spiritual discipline. That's why we do it every January. Like, what do we have to do it in January? You can do it anytime you want. I just recently, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I had a good friend of mine. One of my closest friends was really praying about a situation. And he called me and said, hey, will you pray with me? I'm going to do a three-day fast this weekend. I'm like, really? I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll pray with you. He goes, I'm going to not eat for three days. I was like, well, that's awesome. I'll think about you. As I'm eating my taco and burrito, you know. But he needed an answer. So that was on, I think, a Thursday. And I think he started Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe was the way it went. In which he told me, he said, man, I've never done that. Never fasted food, ever. And so he said, day one goes by, day three goes by. Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to him on this, on what he was believing for. And it clears a bell. It's amazing what happens when we get serious about the word of God. Let me say it this way. When we get serious about the word of God, God will get serious with us. And see, we want to keep it at a surface level, but how do we take it a little deeper? We got to implement some disciplines. Back to Hebrews twelve eleven. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. He says, I always, it always feels like I'm going against the grain. It feels foreign. Why? Because it's a new thing. It's a new habit. It's a new way. It says, later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. <clears throat> One of the things that I have found about people that I consider to be mature, successful people is that they lean into discomfort. They welcome it. Why? Because if you're not uncomfortable, it means you're not growing. You can either have growth or comfort. You can't have both. I've got to get myself into some uncomfortable spots 
so that God can grow me. That means like when I'm challenged by a scripture about an area of my life that I don't just blow it off, but I'm actually going to lean into that and say, okay, Holy Spirit, that verse stung a little bit. Why? Help me. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He will reveal the word of God to us. Let me say another. He will explain it. He'll give me the understanding that I need to take the scripture from just the words on the page and kind of theoretical and actually bring it into my life. Where it actually adjusts my attitudes. Where it adjusts the way that I see things. So I have to, and so I have to lean into the discomfort. New habits can be hard to start. And it takes a while to get in the routine. Guess what? You didn't get where you are in a day. It's taken me 42 years to get to the, where I am right now. And some of these things I've been doing for a long time. And yet I'm challenged by the word of God to change them. It's going to take some time. Now, there are times that God just, it just seems like something happens. Things happen. But when we're talking about our habits, and if we're going to build a different life, yeah, we're, we got to make some adjustments. We got to make some changes. But here's what I know is that small, consistent, repeated steps over time will produce a steady growth stream. Small and consistent is better than random and giant. Because the space between the random and giant just gets bigger and wider and wider and bigger. Small and consistent. Small and consistent. Small and consistent. Like that's boring. Yes, but it's effective. And if we're going to build better, we've got to learn how to do these things. So here are three ways... That you can actually consistently, three steps you can take to grow in your relationship with God. So the first one, and again, let me repeat it. Small, consistent. Start where you are, but take a step forward. Not a leap. Take a step. One step at a time, right? Here's the first one. If you're going to grow in your relationship with God, if you're going to uh, really step into what he has for you, you need to have a daily prayer and devotion time. We're like, well, I don't know what either of those mean. Let me give you a little bit of a framework. Take 15 minutes. You're like, I don't have 15 minutes. Sure you do. Get off your phone. You'll find hours. We all have time. We just consume it with other things. When should I do it? Do it in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Neither am I. Why? Because if I do it in the morning, it's uninterrupted. Now, I don't read books in the morning. Why? Because I'm not fully awake yet. I do things in the morning and I do things at night. But I want to start my day with the Lord. 
So here's a simple way. Take 15 minutes, three five-minute segments. Take five minutes and put on a worship song. You're like, well, I don't know what to play. Walk back there to that booth and ask them, what were the songs we played this morning? Grab one of our worship team. Hey, what was that third song? I like that one. That one kind of did something for me. I want to listen to that in the morning. You can go get on the internet. It's a beautiful thing. Go to YouTube, get on Pan, you know, whatever. Pandora, Spotify, whatever you got. Go punch that bad boy in and listen to one song. You can actually, this is a tip. This, it really is. You're like, well, I don't know the words to the song. Go to YouTube, type in the, the song, and put lyrics in the search. When you search it, the song will come up with the words. You'll feel like you're at church. It's amazing. It's like, wow, somebody did the work for you. Yes, they have. So utilize it. Take five minutes and worship God. Why? Because he's worthy. Because it's just focusing. Take five minutes and, and read a chapter of the Bible. Now, there's all kinds of apps and all kinds of things that can help you. Reading plans, all this kind of stuff. Again, we don't lack for the information. It's the application that we struggle with. So this is how you apply it. Worship, word, and pray. Like, well, how do I pray? Matthew 6 gives us the Lord's Prayer. That's how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. There's a, oh, an outline there. But even more than that, well, t- let me back up real quick. Let me say this. When it comes to the word, get a Bible you understand. Like, well, what if it's not accurate? If you read anything. It's better than nothing. Get you a Bible that you understand. Don't go grab some Bible because that's what your mama read. And you're like, I don't even know what that word means. If you get there, you need to ask somebody or go get a different Bible. One or the other. So you pray. Say, well, how do I pray? It's just a conversation. Just a conversation. Father God, I thank you right now. For my salvation. I thank you that I've got A, B, and C today. I'm a little stressed out about it. Not really sure how this is going to play out today. But I thank you that you're with me. That you're going to help me today. Got this situation going on with my, with my kid or with my parent. Or I got this, this thing that I just don't know about. And I'm asking for your help. You may even journal if you're more of a writer. Write it out. There are lots of ways to engage. 15 minutes. 15 minutes could actually change your life. If you'll do it consistently. Like, well, I already do 15 minutes. So make it 20. Who cares? Here's a, a neat little tip about your devotional life. There's this um, thing. I don't really know what you call it, but it's just a way to engage with scripture. It's called soap. S-O-A-P. So scripture, observe, apply it, and pray. Scripture, observe, what's the Bible saying to me? You'd be better to read one, one chapter of the Bible and say, what verse spoke to me? Okay, Holy Spirit, why did that verse stick out to me? Observe it. Okay, well, how am I going to apply that to my life? And then pray over it. You just, you just took care of two of the three right there. You've prayed and you've observed scripture. 
Psalms 33 verse 4 says this. says, for the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything that he does. The second thing you can do. So number one is have daily prayer and devotional time. Number two is to gather with other believers regularly. Well, actually, I think I, wrote, I, I changed it from my notes to up there. Fellowship. Because there's a difference between gathering and fellowshipping. You can gather and not talk to anybody. Oh, we were there. You got to engage with people. Why? Because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Proverbs tells us that. So one man can sharpen his friend. You need people. And people need you. It's not a one-way street. There's, there's a relationship that has to happen. And the reason that I said fellowship with other people, you've got to have some meaningful conversations. Now, I know typically this seems easier for ladies, just kind of maybe by nature, to a certain level. But men, we need one another too. And we need to be talking about things that matter, like not football, not the weather, not work. Like we need to talk about the scriptures together. And we need to wrestle with our faith with one another. Why? Because you can't be what God has called you to be by yourself. It's impossible. You need people. Men, you need friends who will call you out. Why? Because you won't listen to your wife. (laughs) So you need some men. I'm surprised I didn't get more than that when I said that. I got to be honest. Ladies tend to be a little bit more open to this. Like, man, let me just challenge you for a moment. When was the last time you were just honest with somebody about something you're struggling with? It might be a decision. It may be a situation that you're facing. It might have to do with your job. But I mean, like somebody who's spiritual that could actually say, I'll pray with you about that. Like my buddy called me. When was the last time you had one of those conversations? Like I need to make a life changing decision. I don't want to make it by myself. You got to engage, fellowship, like connect with people. Somebody who will speak the word of God to you, not what you want to hear. All of my, like, I'll give you an example. One time I had a friend and we were in a bit of a tense moment of our friendship. And I was being very direct. Shocker, I know. And he made the statement to me and he says, I've never had a friend talk to me like that. And I don't think a friend would talk to me like that. Fair enough. My opinion is if we can't talk like that and still be friends, we're actually not friends. Why? Because a friend, my translation, the Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend will stab you right to your face and say, I love you enough to tell you the truth. And right now you're being an idiot. And you're acting this way, and this is the standard of God's word. We need one another. 
Hebrews chapter 10 says this. It says, let us consider how we can spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Like, I wish somebody would encourage me. Go sow the seed of encouragement. You reap what you sow. And it says at the end here, it says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The return of Jesus. Well, how do we know? Go read the scriptures. When's Jesus come back? I don't know. But I can tell you there's a lot of things in the scriptures like, man, a lot of this stuff starting to line up. A lot of these nations are starting to kind of get in position and you see all these things lining. And Jesus actually, it's one of the, actually, it's one of the very few times that Jesus actually rebuked the, the crowds around him. Mostly he rebuked the Pharisees. But he told the people and he said, you know what, here's your problem. You can predict the weather, but you have no idea when your day of visitation is. And we can look to the scriptures and they talk about the return of Christ. I'm not saying Jesus is coming back this year. I don't know. But I can tell you this, there are some timelines in scripture that are very clear that says, hey, we're close. Now, my close and God's close is different. But I know this, I only have one life. I'm not promised forever in this life. So I want to maximize the moment. I need to be in relationships. Why? Because people will help me calm down. Quit freaking out. Get out of your conspiracy theory rabbit hole. Quit listening to that podcast. That guy's making you paranoid. You need people sometimes. You sound crazy. I guess you're right. I do, don't I? We need people. So we have to engage. So here's the third one. I saved the most challenging one for last for most people. So number one, we got to. Daily prayer devotion. Number two, gather with other believers. Number three, we've got to give generously. You're like, nope, I'm done. That one thing you talked about, that ain't it. (laughs) That ain't happening. Why? Because money matters. Like, oh, you're after my money. No, I'm not. I care less. But God wants you because he loves you. And if he says, I need your money to get you, then God will ask you for your money. Why? Because there's probably very few things that are as important to you as money. And you're like, money ain't that important. Let, if you have any money in the stock market, you might have just found out how important money was to you this last week or two weeks ago. If you don't believe that money talks, Think about when you go look at your bank account and there's less money in there than you think. And you're like, I need to go take a nap. I need to calm down. Money talks. Your bank account will talk to you. You ain't got. Money's loud. So how do you quiet the voice of money? You keep it in its place. Money serves you. You don't serve money. And if you serve money, you are in trouble. 
Why? Because God said, you can't serve money and me. Say, well, what do I do? Small, consistent steps. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Pick a percentage. Pick a percentage. Like what? Anything. Point zero one. Okay. Point zero zero one. Okay. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit. You're fully capable of hearing the voice of God. Let me say that again. You need to hear this. You are fully capable of hearing from God for yourself. Like, well, I just don't know if that's true. It says it in the Bible. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, and He's not mute. He has the ability to speak. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says this. It says, on the Lord's day at the beginning of the week, several different translations say this different ways. It says, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for an offering. I don't get paid every week. I get paid on the 1st and the 15th. That's when we sow. But I can tell you for years and years and years that we've actually had this discipline in our life. And now we reap the rewards of it. Why? Because I've been doing it for a long time. Small and consistent. Steady. And now over the years, my paycheck has changed. But you know what? It's not any harder to tithe today than it was back. Why? Because it was a discipline I put in my life. What's a discipline? It means it's not optional. This is what I do. This is who I am. You're like, well, well I, I just don't know. If you, if, you, if you really want to grow in passion and, and connection with what God wants to do in your life, start sowing your money into the kingdom of God. Why? Because where you put your money matters to you. Matthew 6, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Not the other way around. Start making an investment in the kingdom of God. You're like, oh man, you're just after my money. No, I'm not. But I'm telling you, this is a part of us growing and building differently. I mean, look, just being honest, every year I look at my giving statement, I'm like, holy cow. You know what I could do with that money? And I have to say, nope, I'm not going there. I live on a different principle. I live in a different economy. And my God is faithful. And really, you want to know the only thing that matters to me on that giving statement is that it's more than it's ever been. I don't care. And I've done that in years where there was famine in my life. I mean, I've gone six months without a job at one point, And I gave more in six months without a job than I did the previous year. Now, explain that one. Because I live in a different economy. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I have seen this work in my life and I enjoy blessings today because I just did what the word of God said. I applied it to my life and when I did it, God did it. It's that simple. 
The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. If I'll show up at my devotional time, God's going to show up. There's days that I, that I show up for my devotional time, and I'm like, well, that didn't seem very fruitful. But then there are days, and it's like, I'm not alone. Like, God is here. Why? Because I showed up. Because I consistently showed up. God shows up. Presence of God is there. I'm regularly in relationship with other people. I get challenged and I grow and I develop and I mature and to help me move along in the path that God has for me. As I've given, I've seen God be faithful time after time after time. So look, again, don't do all this. One thing. Take one thing. Take one step. Small, consistent steps over time will produce what a growth stream, a steady stream of growth. That's what God is after. You want to be the one who has a firm foundation. Don't be the piglet with the straw house, the stick house. No, a foundation. And when that enemy comes knocking, you can go to the next door because you ain't coming in here. And I ain't worried about what's happening out there because my house is firm. See, this is the kind of life that we can have. Not arrogance, but confidence. There's a big difference. God doesn't want us to be arrogant. You want to know what the difference between arrogance and confidence is? Arrogance says that I can do this. Confidence says, no, I, I know the one that I believe in. God can do this. I'm not confident in myself. I am confident in him. And I know what his word says to me. And I've stood upon that. And I've seen God work in situation, 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 over and over and over and over again. And God will work.